Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. Ace Podcast. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On our latest episode, why Jumanji is now reigning at the box office. How fast is Nintendo Switch selling? And an NFL playoff preview. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. Hello, and we're back for another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from the Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. And the other half of Pop Culture Cosmos with me, the man, the myth, the legend behind Humanic Media, it's Josh Peterson. Josh, welcome to 2018 and Happy New Year, my friend. Hey, hey, Happy New Year. New year, new start, new stuff. New chance for Hollywood to disappoint us. It's all good, man. It's all good indeed. And I know you've already laid down the law already in 2018. So I know you mean business and I better mean business too, because I'll tell you what, 2018 is going to be a great year for us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's just very great to have each and every one of you listening out there. We had over 260,000 listeners listen to both the PCC Multiverse and the Pop Culture Cosmos show, plus another... 80,000, I think, of Attack of the Humanicans. So definitely that's over 300,000 listeners to our program. So we truly appreciate you doing that on the Podcast Radio Network. And hearing that the Podcast Radio Network will be coming up soon definitely uh, is a great thing indeed. So you want to check us out there when it comes back up or keep in touch with us on Apple Podcasts and many other audio outlets. So we got a great show lined up for you today. I've got Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. He's going to talk a lot about what the AV Club put out as far as some New Year's resolutions. We go a little bit into depth into that and, and break it down on, on what we liked and what we think about their thoughts on that. Plus, also as well, I've got Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. He's breaking down this weekend's games in the NFL playoffs, so that's definitely something to look forward to indeed. Plus, Josh and I are going to talk about what comic books we'd like to get back into, and also as well, how fast is Nintendo Switch selling? We're going to tell you exactly how fast it's selling and why that's a big thing coming up later in the program. But first, Josh, I know you've been reading the news up lately on Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. I know you and I haven't had a chance to catch it yet, but we're going to have to make some time to do so because ever since the calendar switched over to 2018, Jumanji has been outpacing The Last Jedi. 
So I ask you, Josh Peterson of Humanica Media and Pop Culture Cosmos, why is it that Jumanji has been able to hold so strongly, even just released just one week after The Last Jedi came out? Uh, I know besides The Greatest Showman, it's not really competing with anything. And it's too, like, I, you know, I remember going to see the original Jumanji, and it was just a fun movie to watch. It's not one of those things you have to sit there and think hard about. And it's, you know, it has the rock. It's got a lot of star power in it. But I think for the most part, it, you know, we're still, we're coming to the end of our holiday breaks. Uh, some of us have already gone back to school, but it's just a, uh, you know, if we're going to the movie, it's just a good fun movie. It's not something that you, uh, that's overly complicated or is like uh, the critics really care that much about. It's just something that families can go and have fun and watch. And I think that's something that definitely it has on its side. Well, I'll tell you what, it also has on its side the fact that it has fairly positive reviews without the negative backlash that The Last Jedi has been experiencing. So that also is something to consider as well, that it actually is very surprising because I, I told you first, when we saw the trailer first come out and whatnot, I thought the movie was going to look really bad. I thought it was going to look like a turkey and I thought it was just going to be another one of those forgettable rock movies that he has seemingly made over the past couple of years. Well, actually for a while, because he's made for every good movie he's made, he's made two or three bad ones as well. So, but I was wrong. This has come out to pretty good reviews and also as well, pretty strong, you know, consumer acclaim. And it does look like that, in the month of January, this could be a really strong movie to contend with for the most popular movie of this month because it looks like from all appearances that there are not a lot of strong movies to come out this month. It doesn't look quite as good as last year, but we'll go more depth and not into that into maybe our next program on the Pop Culture Cosmos show as far as the month of January and movies. So we'll, we'll delve a little bit more of that on the Monday show, but Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, definitely has some great, great signs that it is a movie that's going to have some legs and definitely is going to be a bigger hit than probably anyone, even Sony, realized. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it yet. I don't, you know, it's weird. I don't have any really real desire to see it in the theater, but um, you know, I'm I'm interested now, like the, the good critic, the reviews and all that have got, has got my curiosity peaked. So, uh, you know, maybe when it hits Redbox or something, I'll check it out, but no, it's definitely good news. I, I, you know, love the old one. It's got that, it's got nostalgia working for it too. Not in a way that star Wars does, but you know, in the way that kids growing up in the nineties, uh, have that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, have, have you talked to anyone that's seen it yet? I've heard good things so far from it. Uh, the, actually, I think the, the, thing i've heard the most is surprised that they thought it was such a fun movie like you said it's it's not going to be something that's going to make you think it's not going to be something with some major plot twists or anything of that nature that you have to follow it's just going in there and they're put into an environment based off of the uh, jumanji video game that's incorporated in there because the jumanji Mystique has evolved from a board game to a video game, which I thought was a nice, uh, nice little addition to the series, and puts them into the world of a video game. And I think I like that concept. I think it's it's more modern. I think it adapts very well, and I think it, that it's done 
very, very well and beyond Sony's expectations. So it's definitely great to see Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle give The Last Jedi a run for the money. But I also think it's concerning for The Last Jedi because the backlash that has hit social media definitely has weighed down the expectations by Disney on what The Last Jedi will do overall. So I, I don't know. Just uh, I'm going to have to go check out Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. I'm going to have to go check it out very soon and definitely going to have to uh, comment at some time down the road just whether or not it is that good. But definitely a lot of people are enjoying it. If you have great things to say about Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, Humanic Media, Pop Culture Cosmos, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, like I said, it's going to be a great program we have for you indeed. We've got Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire, also as well, Tyler Baker coming up later in the program with an NFL playoff preview. But first, it is Elijah Harrison, better known as Plasma Z. This is Shadows of Chernobyl, and this is the PCC Multiverse.
Thanks for checking out the PCC. You know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. Hello? Hello? Hey, who's interrupting my intro? Is this a joke? This is no joke, kid. This is the Earth Station DCU Podcast. No clothes from anybody. Sickening. We're not that kind of podcast, kid. We talk DC news, comics, movies, and television. You gotta do better than that. We reviewed Supergirl, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and Arrow every week. That a fact. How much do I owe you? You don't owe us anything. The podcast is free. Oh, it's just I just heard this story in the cab, and it is all I can think about. We are part of the ESO Network. This is amazing. Why, thank you. And join us every week for another edition of the Earth Station DCU. Now, can we get back to the show, please? And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. This is once again Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Thank you for staying with us and checking in on us with the Cosmic Crossfire once again. And well, he's back for a new year of Cosmic Crossfires. It's the man, the myth, the legend behind Rob McCallum Films with all the great stuff going on. You got to stay in tune to Rob McCallum Films on Facebook. Rob McZob on Twitter and a whole lot more. It's you. It's Rob McCallum. It's me. Here I am. There you go. <laughs> What's going on, my friend? I'm back. Not much. Back in the saddle, 2018. I uh, hope you had a good Christmas. I did indeed. I did indeed. I, I know you did. I, I I was very happy to see what a great posting you had the other day about where you are at as far as this point in your life as opposed to what was previously going on and i'm just so happy for you man you're you got a lot of things cooking up on the fire in more ways than one and uh, i just tell you what I'm, I'm so happy for you and i wish you all the best this year well 2018 is uh time it's it's time is the phrase that we're kicking around here in canada between myself and some other collaborators it uh, it feels like last year was a really big transition year, some more literal than others. Uh, me literally transitioning from the U.S. back to Canada, as well as a few other things. And now it's now it's time, man. It's uh, it's going to be a great year, as I alluded to in a blog post on RobMcCallumFilms.com. Three films coming out, or two films in a series, and lots in development. Might be announcing that new project soon that we teased a few weeks ago with Jay Bartlett and myself. That's pretty exciting. And as you alluded to, uh, new crowdfunding endeavors, uh, which is pretty pretty exciting too. And I just uh, had kind of a major breakthrough with it tonight, and that's going to be really fun to kind of dive in that direction going forward as well. And the rumors that you left the United States to go back to Canada because of me are unfounded. Well, almost unfounded. I can neither confirm nor deny at this point in time. There are uh, many... Uh, amendments and i plead the fifth is that how that works pretty much that's the case no worries but it's great to have you back in the saddle my friend uh looking forward to a great 2018 with all the stuff going on in pop culture so i ask you rob what are you interested in talking about when it comes to pop culture 
The first one comes from an article on the AV Club. I don't know if you saw their resolutions for pop culture in 2018. I thought we could just kind of go through them and see what you think, if you agree, disagree, want to riff on some of them, and uh, see where that leads us. I thought some of them were intriguing. I thought some of them don't necessarily apply, but let's see where we go. So these are resolutions and hopes from the AV Club pop culture resolutions for 2018. The first one is, give us more original action franchises. Uh, they're citing John Wick and Baby Driver uh, pr as proof that audiences don't need legacy or preformed uh, franchises to enjoy that kind of genre. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I will say this. If you check out our most recent article on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, you will actually see Baby Driver and John Wick 2 on my well, I was going to say my top 10 list. Baby Driver got kicked off at the last second, but still just a great movie as well. So uh, I'm, I'm all for it. We do need to see original franchises because a lot of the ones that we're so used to seeing are becoming stale. I mean, in the past couple of years, we've seen downward trends for Transformers, Born, Bond even to some extent, and, and so many others. So it's time that we actually get some new fresh ideas to the plate and i know you've been a big sponsor of that over the past many years i've, I've actually known you now so it, it's time for hollywood to step up the plate because they it could only bleed that that towel dry uh full of of you know sequel after sequel iteration after iteration for so long before you have to come up with something fresh and i believe now is the time to do so how do they do that how do they convince audiences to go see something new when we've been so groomed to go see something familiar? Well, John Wick is, you know, is a perfect example. John Wick, a very solid foundation when the original came out. John Wick 2, still made for a minuscule budget compared to other action flicks. That came out, it's even better than the original, and it still garnered over $200 million worldwide at the box office. Those are the baby steps you'd need to go ahead and create better or, or original action films and take those chances with new directors, fresh ideas. And you don't need to spend $100, $150, 200000000 million on, on these, these AAA blockbusters. Some of these actual great ideas can be made for a lot less money. And you just got to take a chance as a studio and, and just believe that maybe this scenario is a lot better for it. Plus, there's also a lot of great works you can still adapt from that have not been put on the, the either the, the small or the large screen. In fact, there's a lot of books, venture books, novels that are all over the place that you can draw from as well. Yeah, I think the, the real key to, to success there is still embracing that original take on what the action genre can be and, and not just, you know, cropping out uh, this decade's version of, of Lethal Weapon or Navy SEALs or whatever 90s era action flick, True Lies, because it has lots of explosion guns and possible catchphrases that, you know, remembered in, in a few years to come. Like, look for something original. John Wick isn't all that original in concept, basically, but a retired hitman pulled back into service. I've only seen part of the first one, and I did hear that the second one stands up. Save one or two details, but a lot of people either put it on the same level or better than it. But now it's even becoming its own kind of series and franchise, right? So we got to get away from that and look for something kind of original again on, on the screen. So as, as long as they can keep it original, they should keep it interesting. That's 
That's what I believe. There's a lot of stuff that's also been in development for a long time. Like take Nathan Drake over there behind me. His story, Uncharted story, has been thrown all around with everyone from Tom Holland to Seth Rogen all over the place. That's a great adventure story willing that, that should be told on the big screen now that it's kind of dormant now in the video game genre. So take that story and, and go ahead and, and maybe adapt that to the screen for, for or something else, Mass Effect or so many other books, video games, novels, and other stuff that you can draw from as well if you can't come up with your own original ideas for the time being. Second on the AV Club's list of resolutions for 2018, they don't want networks or broadcasters or uh, distributors to give up on what they're calling weird TV. They cite Imaginary Mary, Downward Dog, Me, Myself, and I, and Making Histories of Casualties of the Fall. And they said shows like The Good Place, which is their pick for best series of the year, Happy, Ghosted, and Lady, and Lady Dynamite, double up on weirdness and get more and more crazy as it goes on. And it proves that you can enjoy something that isn't by the numbers. Any thoughts on what they're calling weird TV and its place and our uh, current scope of watching stuff? Well, there should always be a place for quote unquote weird TV. Uh, I mean, it's just where and when you should be able to apply it. Some of the TV shows that you mentioned were actually substandard as far as its critical reception. I know, I believe it's me, myself and I, that one was probably considered most unapproved by the audiences, both critical and also audience-wise as well. But Happy, you mentioned, got renewed for another season. Also as well, The Good Place seems to be a continuing, very solid hit for NBC each and every every time it goes out there. So, And I know it's beloved by a lot of individuals out there. So yes, there should always be a place for weird or different stuff that should be out there now that because like you and I know both know we've both talked about it there are literally thousands of different options for weird tv and weird tv can go to on uh, you know, anything from streaming to cable to satellite to broadcast networks so it doesn't have to necessarily go on an abc cbs or an nbc or a fox to make its mark with the viewing public. So it doesn't actually have to go through those traditional means anymore. 30 years ago, that's all you had That's as a choice, really. Now, these days, you've got so many more options to go ahead and make a mark within the world of the consumer uh, market that's out there that watches and consumes all this video stuff. You, you, know, you can always have a place for weird, weird TV, as they want to continue to call it. It just doesn't have to always be on broadcast networks. Number five on the AV Club's list, skipping ahead and down their uh, their list here, is in the world of video games, and uh, their write-up kind of goes back and forth trying to establish what I'm about to say, but the headline is, don't let single-player games die, but do let them change. So it's an, it's an interesting idea because they, they go on to note that there was a ton of stellar releases this year for the solo player, and we've heard for years, and we've gone back and forth, you know, is there room for multiplayer-only games? Can we still have single-player experiences? Does it have to be both? Does it have to be 
uh, you know, what percentage should a game release have of both? Is it 50 50, 70 30? Like uh, Battlefront 2, right? We know that that story is, is pretty small and it maybe cuts a, a few too many corners near the end just as it's getting good to kind of wrap it up. But they're saying don't let single player games die, but do let them change. And they point to games like Hellblade, which I don't know if you've played by Ninja Theory. Uh, Josh, as well. That's one of Josh's favorites right there. It's, it's instantly on my list to try now, thanks to this article. Uh, and they also look at uh, series like Uncharted and Dishonored, which got spinoffs and starring women of color at that, that are bite-sized games, but they're they're packed with quality. And I look at shows like Mindhunter on Netflix for the same reason, where they have an episode in that typically uh, 45 to 48-minute series. They have one episode that's only 34 minutes. Now, you look at that and you look at the runtime, it's like, oh, maybe I'm getting, you know, kind of ripped off on that one. But no, it tells the story it needs to tell and the time that it needs to tell it. And I think if game publishers realize that it's not about runtime and selling how many hours of, of play experience, but you're getting quality over quantity, we can really get some nice, excellent uh, single-player games going forward. Well, I think this leads back to what EA did when it canceled Amy Hennig's project with the upcoming Star Wars single-player narrative game, and that they uh, they didn't outright say it, but they pretty much alluded to the fact that they did not want to market and put out a single-player dominant game, which is extremely unfortunate because if it comes to the fact that the single player games can only sell 10 15 million copies but they can't get you those bonuses that microtransactions uh, or multiplayer games can continue to to press on and, and continue to give for several years to come i still find that that's that's bad because you know these like you said dishonored um, all, the Uncharted series recently announced that they've sold over 50 million copies of the, all in their entire series. You know, it, it's dealt very, it's been very good to Naughty Dog. So has The Last of Us. That series has done very good as well with Last of Us 2 coming out this year. And there should be always a place for single player narratives. They can make money. They can get support from the gaming community, and there is no reason why you should actually disconnect them at any point in time and stop utilizing them as far as a consumer market base. Because it, it just single player narrative games are pretty much for me the best way for me to experience video games, and, it, and it's the number one way that I enjoy playing games. Multiplayer for me has to be in such a specific way for me to really get hooked and pulled into it. And it's got to be a group experience that's easy to come by, that isn't a, a, a hassle to replicate. And that gets harder and harder with a group of friends and the busy lives that, that we all lead. It's hard enough getting together to do this podcast on a regular basis, let alone, say, a few matches of Overwatch or going on World of Warcraft or, you know, pick your whatever game you want to talk about. So a single-player experience is always going to be the one that I prefer because I know I can make the most time for it in my schedule. So I completely agree with what you're saying. Just uh, It just comes down to this. Is it financially worth it for these big companies to do so i still think it does bethesda sure thinks it does and if a large company like bethesda still wants to go ahead and give the finger to ea or anybody else that doesn't want to go ahead and, and still put out 
single player narrative games, that's all well good by me. And 2K talking about uh, you know extra consumer options, aka micro transactions as well. That's just disappointing that they want to continue to go down that road and not tell great stories within that context. And it's just it's just a shame that these other companies are thinking of greed only and not exactly what got them there in the first place. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm completely on the same page. And you know what? One of the things I like about Telltale is that they release things episodically. There are of course other publishers that do that, and I wouldn't mind that for like an RPG either. If they if they timed some of the releases, if they gave everybody the base world and like the main A story quests, and then they kept releasing different chunks as the world expands, that'd be a great way to do some of this stuff. But it also allowed them to really focus on the quality, get a quality story that maybe only lasts you know, four, five, six hours before they expand it and expand it. And then that also gives them the time to kind of really incorporate that feedback as they continue to uh, flush out the rest of the world. I'll give you one last example. Anthem, that's going to, at least it's scheduled to come out with EA for 2018. It's made by BioWare. You know and I both know, as soon as it comes out, all anybody on the uh, internet, all anybody on social media, what are they going to be saying? Well, this is great, but it would have been nice if you actually made us a good Mass Effect game instead. So, Or they'll say something along the lines of, here's how EA is wrecking my life again. Exactly. And that's going to have microtransactions and, and all the stuff that, that we don't want in it. And Bioware is going to be looked down upon it. Whether or not it will damage Bioware's reputation long term, we'll never, we'll never know. But the, after what happened last year with Andromeda, we're not even sure if they're going to go back to the awesome Mass Effect series the way it was before again. So, Rob, uh, love uh, our conversation today, man. I'm telling you, it's been really, really cool. And definitely uh, want to go ahead and, and chat more in the coming months about all the th great things that you're excited for in pop culture in 2018. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been good to be back with a little Christmas hiatus from yours truly. Family time has got to come first. But uh, as, as Aerosmith says, you know, back in the saddle again. Here we are. Uh, it'd be fun to get back to Cosmic Crossfire next week. And uh, maybe I'll even highlight some of the stuff we're doing in Crowdfunding Spectacular too. Sounds good, my friend. Indeed, it's always great to have you part of the Cosmic Crossfire and, of course, the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast. You know, like I said earlier, the podcast radio network is coming back on the air. And we're going to be, again, a major part of that channel with three programs that we are bringing to you. And we truly appreciate anybody who listens to us on there. But if you still want to stay with us on the download, that is no problem at all. We truly appreciate you checking us out on Apple Podcasts, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, Gunna Geek Network, Podchaser, or any of the other dozen podcast outlets that you can get our, you know, that you can get our show on. So we, you, we truly appreciate you making your day with us indeed, as far as checking us out. So, and I know, there is another 
great programming option with a lot of great podcasts you definitely have to listen to, and that is Humanica Media. And as the curator of Humanica Media, Josh Peterson is here to tell us what's going on. Well, your your awesome podcast network known as Humanica Media. Well, it's funny you ask that, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. We got some uh, program coming out. We got new some new Topicocalypse, which is kind of, uh, you know, we've been kind of steamrolling those things out lately. So we'll have a more uh, consistent schedule going on here soon. Um, we'll be able to hear a new Super BS on Tuesday night. And uh, we'll be recording a new What About This on Saturday. So stay tuned for that. And uh, you'll know more when we know more. Definitely. That's a great thing indeed. You definitely want to check out Humanican Media. Uh, I, I love being on one of his shows. It's it's great when I don't have to hear my cheesy voice as you know, host and all that stuff. But it's great that I, I get a chance to be on their shows on occasion too as well. I think it's a great honor indeed. You ought to check out all of his great programming with either Topicocalypse, What About This, the Super BS Gamescast, Inside Sports, and a whole lot more. You want to check it out today on YouTube, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, podcast.com, and numerous other outlets. So, Josh, I know you are a comic book man by trade. That's pretty much how I first got to know you with the great articles that you used to write on the comic book scene and where the comic book trends were going. You didn't like exactly where it was heading into as far as comic book comic books themselves and also the comic book adaptations when put on the movie screen. I know you're you're been going back and forth. I know you've you've liked certain adaptations that have been put on the screen, but your comic book as uh, affinity seems to have been still kind of a little bit off as far as maybe not going in hardcore as you once did. But I know there's a lot of great comic book series that are changing over in 2018, and a lot of big changes that are being made. So if that's the case, what if any comic book series do you think maybe you'd like to get back into in 2018? Are we talking ongoing or pre-existing series? Either, any. Because like I said, I know you were a huge comic book fan back in the day. And I know the comic books, the way they were trending, you weren't liking it. So we've talked about trying to get consumers back into comic books over the past couple of years and how we can do that. And is any of them maybe enticing you to go back to the comic book store and picking up a copy? Um, right now, I've kind of been getting back into Hellboy. Um, you know, I got a, picked up a few issues over Christmas, and I've been reading those. Um, you know, other than that, like, Marvel's gotten so convoluted. I know at one point I would like to finish, uh, you know, the end of the Ultimate Universe, but I don't really – It's the, the stories don't really capture me that much. So – um, you know, there's there's a lot I'd like to get into. I like to get into some of the new, uh, you know, the new Batman runs and the uh, a couple of the uh, there's a couple of Marvel series I know I wanted to check out. But uh, right now, there's not really anything that's pushing me into the comic book store besides maybe uh, finishing up the rest of the Hellboy series. But um, yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't know, man. Like I know Marvel's got some big events planned, and uh, they'll probably have a lot of Thanos related comic books to tie into the new Avengers series. But you know, other than that, it's I, I'm not I don't feel the need to go into the store right now and pick anything up. Uh, you know, eventually, if I have the time and the funds to get back into comic book reading, yeah, I'd like to cruise into a store and see what what they got out there that might be interesting. But um, 
you know, right now I have, I have, uh, I'm trying to like kind of look at one at a time. So we'll, we'll see what I get to after Hellboy. Well, I know we're going to talk on Sunday about Thanos because I know a controversy came up recently in regards to Thanos. I know we're going to talk about it on Monday's program as far as uh, a different something something new that came out with Thanos in one of the most recent comic books, you know, that touches on his character. So definitely be talking about that on Monday's show. But I hear you on that. It is still kind of a convoluted issue when concerning the Marvel universe and also the DC as the DC universe as well. When you're talking as far as comic books to get into, you don't know where to start. You don't know what to do, especially for someone that's a casual fan at best, like myself. I will say that for me, if there's any comic book series I'd like to get back into or like to get into period, that would probably be The Walking Dead because I know episode 175 deals with a beginning of a whole new faction called the New World Order, I believe. And I think, well, playing off the wrestling tie-in, uh, it, lo- it looks part like a, almost like Stormtroopers, a First Order type deal as far as that, that's concerned. And and I'd like to see possibly where that takes the series away from, I think, the way too long, way too overblown uh, feud between Negan and Rick. I, I, I'm just glad to see that that's finally you know gone by the wayside, I think, for the most part. Um, and I'd like to see where this new tangent takes it as they take it out of hopefully a, a small encased area and hopefully take it to a larger, broader process about what the world is like in the zombie apocalypse. But you can't say zombie there. The Walker, the Walker apocalypse, I guess you have to say, because you can't say zombie. But anyways, uh, I'd say if anything, I'd say The Walking Dead right now. If anything, I would like to go back to the comic book store and see if I can check that out. But right now, the comic book genre as a whole needs something really that, that should inject life back into it. I know last year we talked very much about what went on with Captain America's character really going through the ringer as far as good, bad, evil, Hydra, all that stuff. And it really left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths as far as going back to the comic book store. And it's going to take a while to get them back in the store again. So I, I will have to wait and see. Uh, I know, like, I know, like you said, it is now a big time cost issue with a lot of people such as you and I, and also a lot more and hopefully digital comics can help maybe reduce that cost by offering great programs, but with Marvel unlimited and a whole lot more, you have to, you have to wait and see exactly what that's going to present to consumers and try to get them back into comic books and not just going and attending those comic book adaptations on the big screen. What are your thoughts on the comic book genre right now are you interested in going back into comic books are you still a a hardcore comic book fan or or do you think at all that you'll ever get into the comic book scene share us your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com also as well humanica media pop culture cosmos and game source on facebook and twitter as well 
If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. That's right, you heard the whistle, and it must be that time again. It is another year, 2018, and it's a new year for football because the playoffs are right around the corner. And who is here to break it down with me? None other than my good friend. He is the man amid the legend behind the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. He is back off the injured list. Kind of, he's still gonna gut it out. Put me in, coach. (laughs) Yes, they had to shoot him up with Novocaine, but he's ready to play. He's gonna try and gut it out for a week right here because the playoffs are right here, and it's just the this is for all the marbles. It's it's just it's coming down to it. We've got the best teams now. There's no more filler. There's no more running out the clock, running out the season, or anything this of that nature. This is what you play for. This, this, this is, is why these guys work all year long to get to the playoffs, and we finally get get to see it this weekend. Indeed we do. Indeed we do. And here to break it down is, like I said, he is the man behind the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. It's Tyler Baker. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. We made it. 2018. How are you, my friend? A year older, and uh, I don't feel a year wiser, but oh well. <laughs> One out of two ain't bad. <laughs> debatable. It's debatable. debatable. I'm, I've still got a heartbeat, so I guess that's good. Hold on. Check <laughs> there it is. Here. There's that pulse. I guess if it's a little <laughs> slow, is that to be a concern? Oh, well. It's, it's cold out. You can there you go. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But it's another great week coming up in the NFL because it's playoff time. I want to point to first some of those nfc matchups because those are some heavy oh yeah heavy duty nfc matchups there you've got carolina at new orleans and you also got atlanta mm-hmm. last year's super bowl runner-up heading off into la against the la rams so i'll start off oh, yeah. with the nfc how does it look for you break it down because those are two extremely competitive matchups those are those are going to be two really good games it's kind of funny the afc this year is top heavy the first two teams are really good the rest of them yeah the nfc it seems like all of the teams that made it all of them are good so uh we are going to see the atlanta falcons going to to meet the um la rams la has uh, scored an average of 29.9 points per game this year that's the best in the nfl and they're going up in atlanta going up against an atlanta offense that that last year maybe had those stats. This year they've fallen off a little bit, but three teams in the NFC South made it to the playoffs. Uh, all of those teams are good. All of them uh, can have a, a better week than your team. It's going to be a very exciting weekend of football. As far as Atlanta and the Rams, if I'm picking a favorite, it's got to be the Rams. I'm sorry. They've just looked too good this year. 
the coaching duo of Sean McVay and Wade Phillips has done wonders in Los Angeles, turn this franchise around. If I have a favorite in the NFC, that's, that's probably one of my favorites. Well, I'll tell you right now, the NFC does not have any slackers. Mm-mm. Any one of these teams can make it all the way to the Super Bowl and actually even sure. win the Super Bowl against anybody you put up against, even in New England. Sure. I think they give any one of those teams can give New England, or if you want to put Pittsburgh in there as well, mm-hmm. a run for their money in the Super Bowl. So definitely – I'm going to have to agree with you on L.A. I think because it is in L.A., they've got that excitement yeah. of being back in the playoffs, and I think they're going to carry that through to a win over the Falcons, although I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons paid off as well. So I think in that other game, mm-hmm. though, that's really going to be a barn burner, and it, I'm picking Carolina to upset. Really? But oh. it's going to be close. I think it's going to be like a 30 30- 35 31 really just sure. two minute last two minute drive tussle I, I think cam newton this is what you pay him for this is yeah. a time when he really shines i think even though you've got drew Brees there he's taken the team to the promised land before mm-hmm. so has cam mm-hmm. uh, yeah i, I just there, there are gonna... some very experienced quarterbacks with the exception of the rams leading the nfc charge this weekend uh it's interesting you pick carolina because new orleans swept carolina this season and, and i think it's really hard to beat three times in a row sure hey i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fault you for that and when you have a divisional opponent um man sometimes it's just the way the ball bounces or, or, or taking advantage of that one mistake that your opponent makes. These two teams, they know each other well. They play them at least twice a year. That's going to be a chess match uh, between Rivera and wow, Sean Payton. Uh, yeah, Sean Payton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a true chess match. And yeah, these NFC games are going to be great. The AFC ones. <laughs> You know, I mean, you have Tennessee at Kansas City, Buffalo at Jacksonville. You could make the point that none of those teams should even be in the playoffs, and I wouldn't argue too much with you. Well, when it concerns the AFC, like you said, you have four teams that are really, for one at one point in time in the season or another, did not look good. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I understand Buffalo, they're ecstatic about getting back into the playoffs for the first time in numerous and good for years. Them. Yeah, numerous years and good yeah. for them indeed. Tyrod Taylor, who you and I both actually kind of liked as a quarterback, as far as a fantasy option, and mm-hmm. he's going to be, I think, a pretty good commodity when he goes into the free agent market. As I think he's yes. going to be very wanted out there because he's a low risk, mm-hmm. low turnover. Yeah, not exactly explosive, but he can still run. He, he's not explosive with the arm, but. Uh, that, but then again, like I said, he's safe as far as and, – and very intelligent with his passes. Mm-hmm. And then you have Kansas City, which – which Kansas City are you, are you getting? Are you getting yeah. the Kansas City that, that did so well and was the best team in the NFL the first six weeks of the season? Or are you getting the middle – Middle. <laughs> uh, uh, that one that just laid a turd every week, every week. Or do you get the late season, won the last four games of the season, Chiefs? Who are you getting? You're right. It's exactly it's, just it's nerve wracking. It is nerve wracking. So you never know what you're going to get with Kansas City. So that's why if they're they're if they get, you know, they're they're riding the the end of the season on a a nice wave, so that could, momentum could take them there. 
over Tennessee. Tennessee, I just don't have much faith in. Marcus Mariota, no. he's just been all over the place. Yeah. Uh, I really am just – they should be just thankful that they're there because they've really had kind of a really just an up-and-down season. Uh, yeah. They have not looked like a premier team in the NFL. Jacksonville seems like, to me, of the four teams, that seems like the most solid bet because that defense, mm-hmm. even though Blake Bortles is – not the man a lot of people will still stand behind as a quarterback because he's just been so inconsistent. That defense, if it comes up to the plate like it has all season, they could really ride that. And they don't need Bortles to really do a whole lot, just be effective and play winning football and don't make mistakes. And that defense could ride them in all the way to the, maybe even the championship game. Sure. Um in my opinion, Jacksonville is a little bit of an incomplete team because of Blake Bortles. When Blake Bortles doesn't turn the ball over, they win. Uh, but when they try, when they ask Blake Bortles to do things and he starts throwing interceptions, it just all goes downhill. That's what makes this uh, matchup this weekend uh, a little intriguing. You have Tyrod Taylor, who doesn't give the ball away, uh, could be effective against that Jacksonville team. But unfortunately, um, LaShawn McCoy was hurt last week, still kind of up in the air whether he's going to play. If he can even walk, they're going to put him in there uh, because that team's not much without without LaShawn McCoy. But if he can play and if Tyrod Taylor can do what he does so well and move the ball and not turn the ball over, it's not going to give that Jacksonville defense a lot to grab onto. When, um, when that defense is turning the ball over, getting turnovers and taking opportunities away from opposing offenses, Jacksonville does well because they do have a great running back there. You know, Buffalo has a chance, but I think you're right. That defense is so stout. And if as as long as they don't have to put Blake Bortles in a situation where it's up to him, they're going to be okay. And against a Buffalo team that's probably going to be without LaShawn McCoy, I think you're going to see Jacksonville in the next round of the playoffs. And you talked about Kansas city and Tennessee. I 100% agree with you. I don't think Tennessee belongs in the playoffs. Um, I don't think that they were that good and they didn't even have a stretch during the season where they looked like everything was firing. They managed to win games, but they didn't look very good doing it. They only won one of their last four games. And that was the season finale that got them into the playoffs. So they are barely limping into the playoffs going up against the Kansas city team that you're right. Are they good? Are they bad? Well, right now they're good. They have won their last four games. So they're on a little bit of a high right now going up against a limping Tennessee team. I think Kansas city moves into the next round as well. And the thing is, if it's, since it's being played in Jacksonville, when it concerns Buffalo and Jacksonville, you think, oh, weather's not going to be an issue even at this time of year. Whoa. Hold on there. <laughs> it might actually be more in Buffalo's favor because it is unseasonably cold in the yes. southeast at this right now at this time of the year. That is a very, very good point. And weather does affect the game of football. When you get into temperatures that are hovering in like the high 30s, uh, low 40s, but mostly high 30s, uh, the ball just acts differently. It's difficult to grip the ball. It's difficult to throw the ball. It's difficult to catch the ball. Your fingers get numb. They get cold. So you see teams that want to run the ball more. So uh, definitely keep an eye on, on the temperatures. And if they start getting into the 30s, you can you can expect to see a lot of running. Definitely, indeed. Once again, it is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. You know what? If you really want to go ahead and check out something great when it concerns 
maybe some strategies you want to employ maybe next year or maybe you know when you plan out for your draft coming up in the next few months you want to go ahead and check out the past episodes of the fantasy football patriot podcast and see just how or actually hear just how tyler baker broke down each and every week and it, if you subscribe and you start listening to his shows now when he starts doing new episodes later in the fall you'll be able to get you'll be able to get a better idea exactly what he's thinking and be able to make the best decisions possible leading your fantasy football team next year because if you came up on the short end like I did you want to make sure you get as much advanced scouting as possible and fantasy football Peter podcast is definitely the place to go and you can always join our Facebook group and always ask their questions as well fantasy football Peter podcast I'm sure they're going to be keeping it lively during the course of the playoff season as well yeah Ty football oh. season never ends <laughs> yes football yes season never ends we're already looking at some of the uh the uh, coordinator and coaching positions and and seeing who's out there and whose system is going to do well with what team so football is year-round and with josh rosen and sam darnold they, you know making themselves yeah. available for the draft yeah probably something i wouldn't have recommended for sam darnold as of yet especially because i'm a trojan fan but that uh but you know, you he's going to get picked high. <laughs> you chase the money, you chase the money. What can you yeah. do? Yeah. When it comes to stuff like that, you're going to be breaking it down during the course of the weeks leading up to fantasy drafts. So you definitely want to check that out. And in, in the coming months, and also the back episodes as well, Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, indeed. Well, my friend, it's going to be a great weekend in the NFL. It's playoff time, man. I'll tell you, it's for all the marbles. And I'll yeah. tell you what, it's definitely very, very serious. And especially in the NFC, it looks like some great matchups this weekend. Look, man, any given Sunday, these guys uh, work all year long. They work out in the offseason. They, they practice and play hard all year just to get to this point. And you give that type of motivation, any one of these teams, hey, Buffalo could win it all. And I'm, and I'm not trying to be cute. These guys, this is what they do. They work all year, and here they are in the opportunity. You get It's one game at a time. It's one game at a time, and it's so exciting that we're going to be able to watch some of those games this weekend and find out who's going to make it to the divisional round. And definitely, we're going to be covering it all for you this weekend in the NFL. Tyler, it's been another great time with you breaking down all the games right here this weekend in the NFL playoffs. And I look forward to talking to you real, real soon once that NFL playoff bracket becomes just a little bit clearer. Yeah, it's exciting. So, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you uh, next show and uh, see where we're at. Yeah, definitely. It's always great having you part yes, sir. of the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Thanks again for listening. We just want to give a big hearty thank you to Rob McCallum and Tyler Baker for being on the program today. Josh, before we head on out, the news just broke. Well, actually, Nintendo just broke it. That the Switch is 
currently the fastest all-time selling console, selling 4.8 million consoles in the United States within its first 10 months. I'm not sure PlayStation is is hunky-dory with that, but hey, if they put it out there, they're obviously got the stats to back it up. So I ask you, Josh, what does that mean with the Switch now being number one as far as on top as the fastest selling console of all time i don't know they, they just they have that big thing going for them where you can pick it up and take it on the go and i think that's that's the big thing with them is that you know because i was talking to uh brian from the super bs games cast and he was saying that like you know there's no way he would have ever picked up skyrim again just because of what a massive game it is but just the fact that he can now play it on a handheld made all the difference in wow. his purchasing decisions so um, and, and pay 45 dollars or more i may add yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's still the idea of being able to play like a big role-playing game or something on a portable system is, you know, you sit down, you play it at home, you need to go, you pick it up, and you just take it with you, and that idea, that concept is really cool, and I think that until PlayStation latches onto something like that, Nintendo is going to lead the market in innovation. Well, like I said, they did sell strongly over the holiday season. They weren't the number one selling console in November, which is the big month. That went to PlayStation 4. And the dollars, as far as that we've reported before, and the amount of dollars in November went to Xbox with the combination of the Xbox One S and the Xbox One X. But that tells me that December was a strong month for Nintendo Switch and that they did come home most likely out on top to get that fastest selling moniker. So that's definitely a great sign indeed for Nintendo fans and also as well third-party developers which are are now seeing the Nintendo Switch as the hot property that they want to put their, their products on. It all comes down to storage and also the graphic capability, which I think is still an issue with the higher-end games that they want to put out. But I think over the course of the next couple of years, you're going to see a lot of these top games go on to the system and make the Nintendo Switch even more valuable, and so it will sell even more. Uh, hopefully, the price will drop to maybe $249. i am I'm hoping they'll see clear as far as being able to do that. But why do you need to when you're selling so so well and and you're selling so fast and you're selling so many at this point in time and you're selling better than anyone else, you don't really need to. So those people out there who are hoping for a price drop are probably not going to get one anytime soon. But it's definitely a good thing for the video game marketplace as a whole because when the video game marketplace is healthy, it tells us that people are enjoying video games no matter whether whether it's on the go or at home. So it's definitely a great thing indeed. And even games that are getting a second life or a third life or in the case of Skyrim, like a 19th life, that they're able to go ahead and go on another platform and sell indeed. So Josh, any last thoughts on the Nintendo Switch? I mean, you have one. You are uh, have gone back and forth on your enjoyment with it because there at one time there was a lack of games on it and you were soundly criticizing Nintendo for that. But it sounds like that's not the case as of right now and that you're really enjoying your Nintendo Switch system. So I loved Legend of Zelda. Was not felt like I was more pressured into liking Super Mario than I should have been. 
you know, what else? I, I just picked up uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, so I haven't gotten a chance to bust that open yet. But, you know, I yeah, I, I like it. And, and there was a time when I didn't like it, it just collected dust. Yeah, you're right. But, you know, moving forward, uh, it seems like they got a pretty strong lineup of games coming out. So I I'm I'm really want to see, like, what uh, what developers can do now that they know that the Switch is a platform that people are interested in. And so that's my big... Uh, you know, my big fascination here, but we'll, you know, it's one of those things we'll have to wait and see what, what time holds for it. But, uh, you know, as far as gaming goes, it's going to be a good year for them. I think, I think it's going to be an outstanding year for them as well. And as long as it keeps selling faster than any console, it's going to be something that everybody will want to jump onto both developers, publishers and gamers alike. So it's definitely going to be a great thing to see as 2018, I think will make the switch even bigger than it has before. What are your thoughts on the Nintendo switch being the fastest selling console in the United States in its first 10 months? Share us your thoughts, pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com also as well, pop culture cosmos, humanity media and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Speaking of crowdfunding, the last thing I want to talk about is something you and I have been going back and forth a little bit, off off mic, if you will, about the allure. Has crowdfunding and Kickstarter and Indiegogo lost a little bit of luster? And I've been talking to you about saying, you know, I kind of want to do something with crowdfunding. I want to get back in the space, and I wasn't really sure kind of what it was. And I finally launched Crowdfunding Spectacular which is a Facebook page and a YouTube channel. It's in its infancy, but every day or so you're going to see me make a new video where I break down a campaign or talk about crowdfunding in a certain way. And the crux to all of this is, is the campaign worth backing or is it a bust? So are you going to be a backer or is it busted? So that's the approach I'm taking. I want to become a super backer in terms of Kickstarter, which has a criteria of backing so many projects with a dollar amount over the course of a calendar year. So every day as I look at different campaigns that are out there and I learn about the the space because I want to be an expert at crowdfunding in, in every possible way and learn about what works for campaigns and what doesn't work, can I find enough campaigns that'll make me a super backer or are there going to be a bunch of campaigns out there that are like just completely busted and not worth my time and money? You'll see everything that I find. It's going to go out there. It's free to check out these videos. Most of the videos I've done so far, about a half hour long. And if you're interested in launching your own campaign and you want to know about it, watch the videos. You're going to learn a ton about what works and what doesn't work, what I think you should try to do, what you shouldn't try to do. And if you think your campaign that you are launching 
is worthy of backing, send it to me. I'll put it through the rigor. I'll vet it. I'll let you know if, if I put my money down and become a backer of your project. Definitely. You can send that to Rob McZob on Twitter, Rob McCallum Films on Facebook, or if you want to just shoot it through us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos and at Pop Culture Cosmos on Twitter, we'll definitely get that info to Rob as far as you know, him incorporating it into the Crowdfunding Spectacular Facebook page. You want to like that as well, Crowdfunding Spectacular. And I definitely uh, have checked out a couple of the videos already, and it's definitely interesting to hear your thoughts on that. In fact, uh, well, actually, I'll, I'll see if he's interested in uh, actually throwing it on the back end of some episodes with us as well. So, oh, Of course, throw, throw whatever you want. I, I just did a, a video, uh, depending on when this airs, on a campaign that has, uh, I think, five or six weeks left called Capley. And this is a campaign that's already almost tripled its goal. They're looking for 30000 They're almost at uh, 90000 already. And that would tell you right away that, oh, man, this must be a runaway hit. There's like 40 days left on it. Oh, what are they doing right? And as I start kind of going through the campaign, it's like, huh, I kind of like this. But look at all this other stuff that doesn't make sense. And again, every time you watch a video, you got to ask yourself, is Rob going to back it or is it busted? You know, so take a look at it and see what's worth it. And to be honest, one of the reasons I'm doing this is to share some of my insights and, and kind of discover the, you know, what works and what doesn't work. But I also want to see what's coming out there on an indie level. You know, creators like me, are all over the place and a lot of people have supported my endeavors i want to see what's out there as well so that i can get on the ground floor some great movies some great text some comics whatever it is i want to discover and i'm hoping that i find more projects that are worth backing than campaigns that are completely busted and if they're worth backing you're going to hear about it and it's going to be out there it's going to be on twitter it's going to be on facebook it's going to be on youtube definitely and as someone who gets inquiries from dozens and dozens of uh, Indiegogo projects, Kickstarter projects and the like. Uh, it's definitely some, something very interesting for me as well. So uh, definitely appreciate that. Once again, you want to check out his Facebook page, Crowdfunding Spectacular, to find out more info and to check out all the videos. another episode of Backed or Busted. I'm Rob McCallum, a.k.a. Rob McZob. And don't forget, if you need help with your crowdfunding campaign, email us at crowdfundingspectacular99 at gmail.com, and we can highlight your project or consult with you to make it better. Let's jump right over to Kickstarter now and take a look at the project we're going to highlight today. Today we're looking at Secret Informant, Connecting Cultures Through Food. Now let's just take a look at this a short description. A web series with the goal of bring people of different cultures together through the one thing we all enjoy, food a web series with the goal of bring people i think it should be bringing people together from different cultures through the one thing we enjoy food definitely would want to rework that you can see there's only 46 hours left to go on this they are close to their goal of 11968 i think that's a currency uh, conversion as you can see here as a highlight yep they're looking for 15 grand canadian and uh they're essentially at 133 canadian let's take a look at their pitch video and see where they rest and then we can decide if we're going to back this or if this campaign is completely busted i like to support as many creators out there as i can because the world is better with more uh art projects and creative endeavors so let's hope that we can put some money down on this and become a backer with only 46 hours to go and help push them towards that goal 
but it's up to them if they're worthy. Let's check out this video. Hi, I'm Riley, host of Secret Informant. And I'm Andy, founder of Secret Informant. Founder? That sounds way cooler. It is. Hmm. We're making this show, Secret Informant. It's based on the idea that as people on this planet, we're a lot more similar than we may realize. No matter your ethnicity, skin color, or religion, we all enjoy at least one thing in common, and that is good food. So it occurred to me, if there was a show that brought an authentic culture experience to people in a fun way through food, it could one, help people get out of that us versus them mindset, and two, inspire people to travel and experience other culture for themselves. Secret Informant is that show. Andy approached me with this idea he'd been working on for four years and I really wanted to be a part of it. So in each 10-minute episode, I'll be talking to a different secret informant, a person who will guide me through experiencing a certain cuisine. We're in the process of filming season one right here in Vancouver. We have a talented and dedicated crew of people working with us to scout restaurants with authentic cultural dishes, contact secret informants, shoot on location, and edit it into something meaningful and funny. What we need is your help to make sure we have the resources to finish season one and get it out there for people to enjoy. We're confident we can publish season one in January, but producing a high quality show isn't free. The fund that you provide us will be used for equipment costs, location fee, compensation for the crew, and preparation for season two, which we hope to film in Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Macau in March. So take a look at our rewards, our budget, our pretty pictures, and if Secret Informant is something you want to see exist in the world, consider supporting us. You could be our Christmas miracle. And I will love you forever. And Andy will too. Maybe even longer. But not too long. That's, that's kind of creepy, Andy. Okay, so there's their video. One thing to note right away that this runs at 2 minutes and 41 seconds, which is a touch longer than I'd like, uh, and it felt a little bit longer than that. I would have swore this was over 3 minutes by the time I got through this. Now, another thing to note as I was watching the trailer here, this has been marked as Kickstarter as a project they love, so good for them for getting enough attention and bringing it together. That really boasts well for us to go through the campaign and decide if we're going to back this project versus if it's busted. Now, I'm just going to step through the video here because there's a few things I want to talk about. Uh, one, this opening uh, montage and collage, really, really strong. It slows down once we start getting to the hosts about you know, 15 seconds into it. Then I start to question a bunch of things. There's some poor lighting uh, going on here. Like, if you look at this, our host's face isn't lit at all, and he's being outshadowed by this stuff here in the background. Again, no lighting on his face. Even if you just had a camera-mounted light, it'd look better. There's a lot of attempts at humor, like these two chairs slide into one another and they bump. Didn't find it funny, and he was out of focus when they hit together. Not so, 
It's important that when you do these pitch videos that the production level of the video reflects the product that you're trying to sell, whether it's a film or whether it's a, like a piece of technology, but probably more so when it is a film or something that is being produced uh, with cameras, you want that production quality to be as, as, as good as possible. So you can see there he's out of focus, as I mentioned. That makes me think, well, maybe then the series will be out of focus and it'll be a little sloppy. I didn't think the humor... Uh, came across in the video. They said it was going to be a funny series, but it was really dry, and it just didn't. It didn't get me. It doesn't mean it's not funny to other people. It just didn't work for me. I thought it could have been way more upbeat across the board for the whole video, and uh, a little bit more fun. I also am not a huge fan of the of the title "Secret Informant." That seems to be something more like a spy conceit. I'm guessing that based on the video that I saw here that they have a bunch of people that are hidden in restaurants that the restaurant doesn't know and then they get brought in uh, the host Riley to sit down and, and talk about what's going on with it the restaurant knowing at least I would I would assume that there's some sort of element of secrecy I probably would have gone with something like secret ingredient uh, since at least it connects to the food world so again odd choice uh, they also did reveal that they're already producing season one so I'm not sure what they're looking for the budget for, why they need the 15,000 Canadian. There is some really nice photography in this, so I don't want to crap on them totally for their pitch video with segments like this not looking well. And there is some average or at least on par editing stuff. This uh, little ticker tape of different uh, scenes there, that's nice. And like I said, the opening was really solid and tight. Uh, and the photography when we are in the kitchens is is nice as well. But the the stuff with these two guys, the founder and the host, not so good and because we're in January already and they're talking about a Christmas miracle and a Christmas tree it feels dated if I were these guys I would have shot uh, two videos or two endings I think this is a smart idea for them to do a Christmas take on it given that their campaign uh, occurred over Christmas but then I, at the end of it after Christmas I, I would have pulled it and gone for something that was less uh, holiday driven and hey you know how many people get upset when you say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays so they took a chance there personally I'm very much a Merry Christmas guy it's not a belief thing it's just uh, a spirit thing again secret informant why couldn't this be on a recipe card or something like that or again tie back to the theme of their show so they hit a lot of nice things uh, in their pitch video above average I would say compared to some of the other stuff that we've seen already it's nice to see the creators and the hosts on screen there is some above average uh, photography going on there in terms of their filming but there is some below average filming as well and their editing is certainly probably the best stuff that we've seen uh, out of this reel so not too bad guys I uh, am still feeling very pro right now and I am definitely being pulled by how close you are to your goal. So let's let's keep finding reasons to support this. And with Kickstarter vouching for you as a project they love, that also bodes well for your chance. So let's keep going here. We'll start with the campaign body, the story, and see where we go. So you love food, and you love trying new dishes from far off places. That's the other thing. I'm not, hmm, I'm not completely sold on the premise of the show, but I'm going to let it go for now because maybe an episode is, is a little bit different. Uh, or maybe you don't love food, but you yearn in the world to be a better place, more peaceful place where people of all cultures, language, religions can understand and respect each other, and everyone is just nicer and more awesome in general. That's great. Uh, what is this show anyway? So probably would have got rid of the trailer since uh, that might be the same thing as up here. I'm not sure, but it's not introduced in, in either way. It's just kind of jumped here because we're talking about the show here in the about section, and then we basically talk about the show anyway. So probably would have put this right at the top. And I would have pushed this down a little bit more. So just let's remember that the trailer for season one is right here. So Secret Informant is a hosted web series 
where we throw open the doors to food from around the world, whether it's a hundred dollar delicacy or mom's homemade recipe. Every dish came from somewhere. We want the inside scoop. Okay, that makes sense. Now, some poor written English language here. Secret Informant is a hosted web series. Is a web series that is hosted by Riley or with your host Riley so and so. Is hosted. Let's avoid that passive tense. Okay. Uh, we're making a show in which guests representing various cultures introduce their traditional cuisines to our host, Riley Murdoch. Okay, so you could have probably got rid of the host thing up here. It's your informers web series where we throw open the doors, boom, and then introduce the host concept here. These savvy individuals have insider knowledge on their cuisine, so we call them secret informants. I don't know that that's a secret informant. I think you're using that term incorrectly, and I think it's... Uh, there's a better approach to this. I get what you're trying to say, but no. Just call them experts or call them you know, cuisine masters or something like that uh, without, you know, them having to be chefs per se. But I don't think that's the way to go. Season one is being filmed in our hometown. We are filming uh, season one. Again, let's make it active and, and not passive. Is filmed, not good. The goal is to produce quality content about quality food from all over the globe. Great. Love it. Uh, we're going to launch season one in January on YouTube and website. Okay, so this is the question I'm going to ask right now. If it's going to be on YouTube for free, why am I backing this? Ah, see, this is the big question. This is the hard part with web series. If it's going to be free later, you got to give me amazing reasons to give you money, especially if this is only a month or so away and you're already in production. It means you probably don't need a lot of money to finish what you're doing, and I could probably just wait it out and watch the show for free without having to give any money. Let's see. Okay, we're going to address it right now. Why, though? Hmm, I wonder if there's a spelling mistake here. Just kidding. They're trying to be funny. The world is changing. The internet has connected people all over the globe. And societies that were previously made up of one group of people become more diverse than ever. Sometimes the diversity celebrated. Other times, it can lead to tensions between groups. Seems like a weird thing to talk about right now. Uh, but there is one thing everyone enjoys, and that's food. Different way to experience cultures. Uh, bring cultural experiences to viewers. The power of the inter internet. Once someone has shared shawarma with a Syrian hipster, it's pretty hard to look down on their people. We honestly believe we're doing more than just releasing a video series. We want to change the world for the better. Okay, so that doesn't tell me why you need the money, though. That might tell me the bigger motivation for creating the show, which you've said a few times now. You said it up here, you've said it here, and now you've said it for a third time. Let's watch the repetition, fellas. Who are these people? So here's the executive producer, and I'm guessing founder. Here's the host, producer, writer, whom we've met as well. And more crew bios coming soon. Well, with 46 hours left, I'm surprised they're not here yet already, and, or at least take out this line. Not loving it. Uh, Twitter, informant secret. So obviously they had a problem getting that handle. Uh, same with on Facebook here, informant secret instead of secret informant. That's not necessarily fantastic uh, marketing. Uh, let's go to the next section. We need you. Okay, so this is more about the why. Please help. The majority of season one has been completed so far and is done largely pro bono. We've been fortunate to connect with professional camera operators and other crew members who have volunteered their own time plus equipment because they believe in our vision of this project. We want to raise funds so we can pay our crew equitable fees and allow us to finish post-production, take care of equipment and locations, and prepare for season two, which we hope to film in Hong Kong, Taiwan, Macau, uh, in March. Why would you go overseas for season two when there's so much more that you can do locally and save costs like honestly go to seattle you're close enough in vancouver go to calgary go to surrey go somewhere else i get the appeal of that but get the show done get it well get your proof of concept nailed before you go international because there's production constraints that i've seen already from your project there's some spelling issues 
That makes me wonder about your ability to handle an international production. Okay, let's keep going. Let's look at how they've broken down everything here. So again, this should be for the 15,000 or so equipment. They need a thousand bucks. Miscellaneous costs, 800. That's actually a little low. I'd probably say this is about 1,500. Season two prep, 1,200 bucks. That sounds like a flight. Uh, production crew, 3,500. Post-production, 8,000. Okay, so they really need it for post more than anything and to compensate the production people. How can you help? Back the project. It's all or nothing. We don't make a goal. We get nothing. Spread the word. Even if you can't donate, sharing the link will help family and friends. It's great. Follow us online. Connect with us. You want these. Here's the rewards incentives. We will go into that a little bit later. And that's it. Risks and challenges. Uh, we've been working on Secret Informant as a concept for a number of years. Now the biggest challenge we face so far is finding Secret Informants. Restaurants and willing crew members who are all available at the same time. Thankfully, we've already been able to find a number of informants from various cultures, restaurants, and local area which have agreed to allow filming on the premises. Some contributions from local investors allowed us to begin filming season one. With your help, donations will allow us to finish and publish season one in January 2018 with production of season two. Beginning any new creative project is a risk, and we feel confident in the goal of bringing people together. Okay, so here's my concern. If you can't finish yet paying for season one, why would you start season two? Are you just assuming you're going to hit your goal on Kickstarter? Are you trying to sell this? Is this just going to go online for free? Hmm, a lot of questions I have. If I was an investor in this, I don't know that I would be super happy about what they're trying to do here. Because it just doesn't feel like they've thought about it. They got the creative itch to, to create a production and get it done and get it in the can and do it well or at least well enough. But what are you going to do with it once it's done? Don't just start season two. Get those deals in place so they can get it out there into a wider audience. And then once it's out there, you're going to find that your major problem with your risks here, which you said is... Uh, is is finding secret informants, restaurants, and willing crew members. Once you get it out there in a professional capacity, that problem will go away completely, which is really nice. So we're going to go over the rewards here. Uh, pledge five bucks. They have 17 backers. You get to join the club and you'll get access to regular email updates uh, whenever new episodes are available and when we're doing something cool. You also receive a shout out on social media accounts. So this is kind of like a big thank you. Uh, where's the $1 pledge? I get maybe they're doing five bucks just so that they can get some friends to kind of just you know chuck them five bucks but if they did a dollar they might get outsiders particularly me now i'm hoping to pledge more than a buck more than five bucks we'll see if they can make it happen uh video shout out so they're basically saying uh thank you video seeing my name while eating timbits one donut per backer no exceptions as a bonus you receive a list of restaurants and various cuisines in vancouver that we filmed at. okay so basically i get a list of the places they filmed which i would see in the series anyways and i get a thank you video not sure that i would go that way that seems like a lot of work to thank these 24 people to do a video maybe it'll only take an hour to sit there and eat a pack of timbits and say thank you to everybody but not sure it's the best way to go. Behind the scenes for 25 bucks plus destination vote. Everything in the above tiers plus access to behind the scenes footage of our production team that you won't find anywhere else. Initial season will be filmed in Vancouver. We plan to go abroad in future season when time comes. You will get to vote in which cities we visit. I would think that voting in which city would have been part of like uh, the $5 pledge, which is welcome to the club, but it's not. So, so be it. Pledge $35 more, a Christmas card delivered to you. A Christmas card handwritten by our host, Riley, delivered to your home. If you would prefer a card for a different holiday, we can arrange that too. Uh, estimated delivery, February 2018. That's a hell of a Christmas card that you get two months late. Not a fan of that. 50 bucks, you get a t-shirt. Plus a welcome to the club. Plus the video shout out. Plus behind the scenes. Plus the Christmas card. Again, uh, you know how I feel about t-shirts. If you're not sure, check some of the other videos. 
they're just riddled with problems between genders and sizes and stuff fitting right and the graphics that you got to print on them and shipping costs. It's a mess. Okay, well, online hangout with our team. Gratitude will schedule a Google Hangout just for you. Here you can meet the team and ask us all your questions. Ask us all your questions. I don't know that I want to spend $100 on basically something that you guys should be probably doing anyways to drum up support for your project. You guys should be doing a Google Hangout or some sort of online forum for people to get excited about it. And then if they kind of like the real deal, then they can back you. I don't want to spend that kind of money right now. Rap party invite, everything in the above tiers. You and one guest will get invited to a rap party for Secret Informant Season 1 after production is completed. Is that in January or February? Please note at this at this funding tier, we will not be able to provide airfare to Vancouver. Will you provide lodgings then? You haven't covered that. You should probably say that. Nobody's backed it, and they're only looking to have about 30 potential backers plus whomever else. All right, here we go. Secret Informant Experience, everything in the above tiers plus. Live the secret informant experience for yourself. Visit a restaurant handpicked by one of our informants and share a meal with our host, Riley. Or you can pick a restaurant that you're willing to say is a great example of your favorite cuisine and be the secret informant yourself. Disclaimer, airfare not included. If you wish to enjoy a restaurant fairly far from our base in Vancouver, we may not be able to make good on this reward for a while. So it's funny that there they want $500 to basically help solve their biggest problem again we go down to our risks and rewards right here at the bottom we faced uh, so far the biggest challenge we faced is finding secret informants restaurants and willing crew members so if I go to the $500 level here I can pick a restaurant for them and be their secret informant which basically takes care of their problem they do have two backers so good for them but I'm not uh, I'm not sold that this is a good reward for them to do Pledge a thousand bucks. Start in a spin-off episode. Visit a restaurant with Riley and a secret informant. The whole thing will be filmed and published online so you can get your 10 minutes of fame. Um, for a thousand bucks, again, it looks like you're just being part of the team here, except for you're maybe relegated to a sidekick status. Not sure that this is a great reward, but okay. Sponsor an episode. Now, this is a good idea. A thousand bucks. Thank you for your support. Your organization will be named as the title sponsor for one of our episodes. This makes a lot of sense. It's probably why there's four backers here. A restaurant, a food company, a delivery service. Uh, anything would be a great sponsor for a cooking show that actually has a travel element to it as well. So any kind of travel company, airline, uh, online travel site, it's a great way to sponsor and it's a really good pledge to put in here. Pledge 5000 or more. Vancouver tour plus film an episode. Six meals with our team. You will go to any restaurant that we explore in season one. Any cuisine, your choice. Airfare and accommodation is included for five grand. I really hope so. So they have one person that's willing to do that, and they're going to go have six meals and uh, stay somewhere and get flown in, which is great. And here we go. Pledge six grand. Sponsor the whole season. Thank you for your support. Your organization will be named as the primary sponsor for all eight episodes of season one. Two of two left. Six grand. That's not bad. That's less than a thousand bucks per episode. And you can see that they have four sponsors here. It's a little pricey unless you've got the dough to put out there. And it's it's not quite the known commodity yet uh, in terms of how much you know viewing uh, clicks or. Uh, audience awareness there's going to be for when this comes out so it's hard to justify six grand away right away and that actually makes me think when it comes to sponsor an episode thank you for your support your organization will be named as a title sponsor for one of our episodes who uh, are you just gonna arbitrarily pick which sponsor for which episode is there gonna be some sort of symmetry I'd like to know a little bit more about that let's see if it says uh, something else down here in the detailed descriptions 
Supporting us at the $1,000 tier, let me just switch back over here to Firefox. Supporting us at the, the $1,000 tier more will not only be instrumental in helping Season 1 get produced, but we'll also let your brand be a part of our success story as an official title sponsor. We will meet with you to talk about how we'll execute your sponsorship of the show and give you all our gratitude and hugs or just a handshake. Okay, so at least there is going to be some discussion, which is nice. So well done on there, guys. Um, on the upper end, 100 plus, priceless experiences you'll never forget. Well, uh, yeah, I don't have any other questions about that. So. Having gone through their campaign, let's go through some of the pros and cons. Uh, the production of the video is definitely above average, despite some of the cons that I have out there. The title, not a huge fan of it. The mission and the, and the scope seem to be in check, though. I don't know that it's going to be a huge uh, hit in terms of online. It is the kind of thing that I could see on TV. I think it needs a little bit more of a gimmick or a tweak. But the fact that I'm even comparing it is probably a good thing in terms of is this... Uh, worth supporting is this you know worth being out there have they thought things through their campaign is nice and short it is really a uh, boil down you get the nice pie chart of how things get split up you got some reward details you got risks and challenges but it's short it's really short their rewards are pretty awful I don't like really kind of anything that I see here to be honest um, there's nothing that I want to put money towards, especially at the dollar amounts that they're suggesting. The closest one I would want to do is uh, not start in a spinoff episode, but sponsor one. And for, by the way, this should be limited to eight since they only have eight episodes, but they have not done that. Um, and look, help wanted. That's cool. You can, they're always looking for more ideas to improve a project. Don't leave us a comment. So that's cool. Maybe I'll send them this video. I think, uh, I, there's just nothing that I want here. Why couldn't they do a DVD of, of the of the season or HD versions of the show or like private links to get them before everybody else gets them so you can see them? It's really hard when you want to do a web series where people are going to get to watch it for free. So how do you provide that exclusivity? How do you provide that little bit extra access that makes somebody feel special? That's that's worth the money. You've you've got to find a way. So like, I really think the honest. Uh, uh, approach to it is give give people like an unlisted link on YouTube and you know ask them not to share it. It doesn't mean that they won't, but the backers that put money aren't going to want somebody to to watch it for free, so to speak. So if they had that, I definitely would have plunked down ten bucks to get early access to check out this the series as they drop. But I also want to know are they going to put all uh, eight episodes out at the same time? Are they going to release them you know week by week? Is it month by month? Is it bi weekly? What is the the schedule? Uh, and and so forth. Again, I had a lot of I have a lot of questions about uh, how season two comes in when we don't know really the fate of season one. So a couple other things I want to check out. I'm going to look at these updates here. Project launched December seventh, 3,500 reached and new trailer release. So that's cool. 11:5 uh, reached. The final stretch begins. Day confirmed for pilot episode. Gonna just read this. Looks like they're producing everything in January. Then uh, the first episode will be available January fourth. So uh, I think it's out later today, as of my recording. Uh, there's less than a week until the pilot episode and end of our campaign. We at Secret Informant are kicking things off in high gear daily uploads. So it's on their YouTube channel, which is great. So I do like that they have their last uh, near the like the last 48 hours. That first uh, episode is coming out. That's some good marketing to really push it. Let's look at these comments. Wow, something I've been waiting for. You guys need to make this happen. I love food. More than happy to support Lee. Riley in, his, in this new venture of yours. Such an awesome presenter. That's great. Sherwin says, Hi, Ethan. We're grateful for your contribution. We're working very hard to have our pilot episode ready. Watch for it to drop in the next month. Please share a project with your friends. So not a lot of stuff going on here. I'm just going to go over to Kick Track for a minute and see what we can learn from Secret Informant.
if we type it in here. So they had a massive spike right here. Uh, they were trending really low for a while. And then they had a big surge of money here for some reason. And then it went flat. And then another big surge, which got them close. And then they lost money. So when I see stuff like that, that makes me think that uh, people put money in to make sure that it looked active. And then people put money in again. And then they pulled it out uh, just to see... Just to get it close so that people knew that they would be close so that they can continue trending. It's very volatile to see that. And that actually is a confidence loser for me. Let's take a look at the daily data. So they had $10,000 dropped in, in in two days. And then they lost 2200 That seems really strange. They had a few days where they didn't get much. 50 bucks here here and there. But like that's really strange to get 6000 and then 5100 because there's no rewards for that. How many backers? So we can look at backers per day. There's one backer that came in that day. That doesn't mean that that one backer put six grand down because other backers could have adjusted their pledges to higher tiers. But it is really kind of fishy uh, about what happened. there. We, there's no days where they lost backers. They're getting about 12 per day. So something is going on here that doesn't sit right with me. Uh, comments per day, everything was on day one and day two. You can see they had like 2,200 um, by the end of the second day, which is a little low for where they needed to end up with 15 grand. Uh, frankly, you try to get 20 to 25% by the end of day one if you want to make it. That's usually the, the rule. So they needed closer to 4,000, 3,500, something like that in order to do it. And they fell way short, They, they like a third of it. Uh, so that may, this though keep coming back to that. okay let's look at the projection this should look yeah again this this looks super wonky this is natural like this is a natural like funding curve and then it just gets thrown out of whack here drops back down they're still projecting to finish at 154 possibly 19 uh, thousand plus a few bucks let's look at the trend yeah you can see that. It's all cattywampus there, the mini chart. Uh, it's saying that it's trending towards 14,293, which is only 95% of the goal. So they're predicting that they're not going to make it. I think that they're going to make it either by virtue of the fact that somebody's going to top it up at the last minute or uh, they're just going to find a way to, to get in there so that they get it. Because why would they want to say goodbye to, to this amount? Even if they only had like $5,000 of real money for a web series, that's that's a lot. I uh, oh, this is a hard one. I'm not sure what I want to do in terms of backing it now at this point. That seeing that funding curve completely changed everything. I was really set to back it, but then to have no explanation of that. Not that I expect them to. Uh, and no frequently asked questions here. Let's look at the community. 329 backers are from Canada. They have a total of 361 backers. Uh. A lot of new backers, so that's really cool. That's a huge thing for this campaign to bring 335 new people to it and only have 26 uh, previous Kickstarter backers. Lots of people from Burnaby, so I think that's probably their hometown. Good for you guys. Uh, this is definitely a Canadian project, so that's okay. It is a campaign that Kickstarter loves. Oh, man. I'm on the fence. I don't know if this campaign is busted or if I should back it. Uh, and when in doubt, I like to go with my gut feeling about these guys and helping them out a little bit. So I am going to back it for five bucks.
Okay, there we have it. I backed it for five bucks over here. Guys, do not let me down. Uh, if anybody else gets a chance to check this out, you've got a little over a day to back it if you feel like it's a good project worth doing. I'm going to take a chance on these guys. This is definitely in the gray zone. I don't absolutely love it, but I also don't absolutely hate it. I think their intentions are good. I think once they get season one maybe out, it'll certainly help. I don't know that I'm super convinced that they'll go a long way in terms of other seasons. They're trying to do... Uh, that little run through Asia, which which will be the real test. So if my $5 helps to go help them, then great. You can uh, maybe pledge some money too. Anyways, Rob McCallum here, a.k.a. Rob McZob. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know if you need help with your campaign, if you want me to highlight it and look through it and see if your project is truly amazing and awesome and you believe it's worth backing, you send it to me and I'll let you know if it's backed or busted.